What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, buddy, you're looking a little sad. What's wrong? I have terrible news, Glenn. Go on, tell me. I've lost my favourite leash. Lost it, or did one of your legions of fans over in America steal it from your backpack? Either or both, I don't know. Mm, That's terrible news, but there's a fix. What? Our mate, our good mate, Jason Buffhead Furman from Ironswick Dog Quip. Ironswick Dog Quip? Ironswick Dog Quip. He has leads. Could I get it customised? You can get it customised, absolutely. To have my name, company logo. All of it, everything. Blazoned upon it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, he does all that and more. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, you know the deal. Why don't you tell us about some of the stuff that you know about our good friend, Jason Furman. Jason Furman is where I get all of my Herm Springer items, if I were to use those. Yes, he does those. He has um, uh, leashes and leads and correction tugs chains and, and tugs. All kinds of dog-related equipment. Balls. Balls and tugs. Spring pole-style setups. Yep. Parachutes. Kind of parachutes for dogs. Everything. He's still doing the parachutes? Yep. I yep. think because he gets those from Fireport. Who are the mills? That he, he does he mills. Does. My God, he does mills. So pretty much all dog training equipment. Jeez, you've lifted my spirits. Oh, well, that's good. I no. can see. Look at you. You've got a big smile on your face. <laughs> no longer should I be sad about my lost <laughs> leash. I'll be able to get a brand new one from Jason Furman at Einswick Dog Quip. Yeah, we should ring him up again one day and taunt him. Probably. Yeah. And he has a website. Oh, my God. Hasn't that been a bloody ordeal? Einswick Dog Quip. Einswick Dog Quip, Jason Furman. He has a website and I believe it's einswick.com or is it .au? I have no idea. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in our little IACP studio by my co-host, Glenn Cook. And right now we're talking to Emma Murdoch. Hello. Hi, Emma. Hi. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Good. We got to know each other a little bit better than usual. Yeah. Hanging out at your place in Canada. Yeah, it was great. It was really cool. I'm getting a lot of good feedback. Cool. I love being Tell there. us about it. About the feedback? Mm-hmm. Oh, people were very happy mm-hmm. with everything, the organization of the event and your presentations, obviously, and they want you guys back. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you're going to have to come back oh. all the way to Canada. I'm not disappointed about that. I like Canada. <laughs> okay, good. So what was cool in Canada, I found, was we kind of got an understanding of how your business works. I didn't fully understand how it all goes down and, and that you have 18 people that work for you doing yep. walks. Yeah, we have 18 dog walkers, so they're doing uh, off-leash group hikes. And then we have uh, myself and another full-time trainer. And then we have about five I guess we can call them like apprentice trainers mm-hmm. who want to start training. Wowza. Under us. Yeah. It's quite, a, quite the operation you've got going there. Yeah. What I really like about it is how all your operators have uh, on their little Instagram page have all got walk with me in front of their name. Yep. So you've yep. got the whole walk with me, Marissa, Carolina. Lauren, Felicia. Lauren, Felicia, the whole bunch. Whole bunch. Yeah, it's just a <laughs> great big bunch of walk with me gang. So yeah. let's talk about that. Like that was a marketing plan that you had? No. It kind of just, just kind of went that way? Yeah. I honestly don't even remember how that happened. It just one of them made an Instagram account and that's what they did. And then it from there just spiraled. And now now it's a, 
Um, now it's a thing. Now, now it's a tag. I need to do it when you work for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, on that, how many Instagram accounts do you have? Me? Yeah. Three. Are you sure that's all? Yeah. Okay. I have three, but I don't use one of them. Right. So I have crickets yeah. and I have my business one and I have a personal one that I haven't used in months and months. And months. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because I see you coming up all the time under various aliases and I think, what's Emma up to? No. No? No, it's not me. It's not, not you? trying to be me. It's probably. just another walk with me. Scandal going on in the background? Probably. Mm. Yeah. So your land there, 47 acres, pretty cool. So you basically have like a private dog park essentially. Yeah. And the girls all go around, pick up all the dogs and take them there if they feel like it. And they have totally safe, fenced in. Exactly. Good to go. Yep. But what happens when it's cold? Um, We dress up warmly. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, we walk dogs all year long. Um, In the winter, we just, you know have to wear a lot of layers. Mm. <laughs> and um, I mean, it only gets really cold a couple days where we have to kind of like monitor the dogs a bit better. Like yeah. minus 40, right? Yeah, but that's only a couple days. So mm. on those days, we'll probably either do like a shorter walk or we'll do pee breaks or something like that. And we also, you kind of have to judge it on like the weakest dog. <laughs> like, are they too cold to continue? Some mm. dogs don't give a crap, right? They're winter dogs. So yeah, but we are building a facility so that we can be training indoors. Cause that's what I find really difficult in the winter mm-hmm. training when it's minus 40. Cause I need my hands. Absolutely. And you can't like gloves don't cut it for me. So. So the other thing I was really intrigued about your property backs onto a major lake there or river. What do you call it? Mm, yep. It's my river. house is on a river. A river. Okay. So in winter, when it gets down to those degrees, that thing freezes over mm-hmm. like a couple of feet in ice thickness. And you guys like drive trucks and everything across that and people like set up little houses and do ice fishing and all sorts of things. Yes, sir. That's amazing. Like that freaks me out. When you see the magnitude of this river, like how big it is and how wide it is, that the whole thing just completely freezes solid and people start having parties on there. You guys are going to have to come in the winter, I guess, <laughs> to see it. Well, build that building and we'll be there. Yeah, for uh, sure. But yeah, for us as Australians, that is a, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we is. only get like heavy snow in the in the mountaintops and even then it's, you know, like it's nothing like what Canada would experience. I was surprised how cold it gets where you are, though. I never, I didn't think it got that cold. Yeah. Like I've seen photos of you guys wearing toques and jackets and I thought. What's a toque? Oh, right. Beanie. <laughs> Canadian slang. A hat. Oh. Like a winter hat. A toque. A toque. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it gets cold and in Australia, we kind of don't like to admit that we have a winter. So, because right. it, it's only a few weeks when it's really cold and we always like, oh gosh, it's, it's unseasonably cold. And we... <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this is this is bizarre, even right. though it happens at the same time every year. Right. But it's it's nothing like minus 40. Like, it's not below zero. We, we right. don't go below zero. And, nice. and I think that when it does get cold, people freak out because they, they don't know how to be cold. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, yeah, the idea that you could drive around on a frozen <laughs> river to us is, is mind-blowing. Yeah, it's it so is. Funny. Yeah, it's yeah. a real mindfuck. Yeah, I would be. I feel like I'd be terrified doing that. I feel like I'd be thinking we're going to fall yeah, through I mean, the ice. Yeah, I I don't love it. Does it happen? Do people oh, fall yeah. through the ice? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, not like, on that river, and like in certain spots. Yeah, but like definitely snowmobiles for sure. Just being um, unsafe and doing stupid things. Do you guys know or? what snowmobiles are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah we people, do have some of those. Usually, in like drunk people who are making stupid decisions are not going on the trails because yeah. they groom trails. But mm. people do fall through the ice for sure. Yeah. It's definitely scary. A little bit more north than us where it's a bit more remote too. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I watched some hunting videos on Netflix quite some time back and uh, they were in Canada hunting and they were with the Indigenous people there and they were going around different camps with snowmobiles and they were talking about, you know, how dangerous it is 
Like if you fall behind or your snowmobile gets trapped, you're a dead man walking. And in some of the places where they were doing ice fishing, they were riding across it and you could hear it cracking underneath the mm-hmm. – yeah. yeah, that's just terrifying. Yeah. The guy walked the dogs on the ice like way late in the season and I use snowshoes and stuff, but I still get wigged out. I stay really close to the shore, which yeah. actually the shore is technically worse. Like, But anyway. Why? I don't know the science behind it. <laughs> I'm not going to go into that on the podcast. I don't know. Just because it's like thinner ice. Mm-hmm. And there's like, oh, because there's like more water coming off the land or I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm. But apparently the, the closer to shore, the, the worse it is. But okay. I'm not going out in the middle. Yep. So tell us about like it was interesting for me in Ottawa there, the dog training community? culture. Yeah, dog training culture community. So you had uh, you said that there were a lot of people came to that seminar that had traveled a long way and that that's not common. So do you find that people are fairly insular there? Something that I was just discussing with a guy, Randy, outside about, you know, I find that in America, a lot of people can be very like, this is my guy and they, they're a little bit more tighter group together. Mm-hmm. In Australia, we have that for sure, but mm-hmm. most people are a little bit more easier to question people, I think. Yeah, it seems that way for sure. Like you guys have huge seminars. I've been to a lot of seminars and I feel like the one that we hosted was probably the biggest one. Yeah, that right. I've ever been to. And I mean, our, our like province is a bit weird. There's some like, I don't know what to say, like clicky stuff happening to like the Southern end of the province. They don't want to come, come up here. And there's not a lot of uh, workshops being hosted up where I am either, but I want to change that. <laughs> so. Yeah. I was looking at your game plan and it's good that what, what you've got planned, like building yeah. your building and getting more opportunities for your staff and the surrounding canine community to get on board. Yeah. Like That's wanna, how you got to start it. I want the building to be, I mean, obviously for us to train, but also just to have a lot of workshops, like yep. a lot of workshops. But in terms of what you were saying, I feel there are a lot of people probably who aren't really willing to progress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe they're kind of happy where they are. Uh, and that can be frustrating, but that's why I want to hopefully maybe help people and mm. make them come out and learn stuff. And I, I feel like the workshop we had, it was a lot of, I mean, I don't want to say like newer people, but people who were probably like, it was kind of new information for them, kind of probably mind blowing. Um, again, I don't want to say they were like beginners cause they're not, but just, I don't know. They're starting their it. journey. They're not far down the, down the road. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think that was really good. Yeah, um, absolutely. To get them out and hopefully like open their eyes to that. And a lot of them said like, yeah, whoever you have back, I'm coming. I want to come to workshops, right? Because I remember I, I went to a lot of workshops and, you know, I'm floating around and trying to find what I like and what works for me. Um, and, you know, then I found this. <laughs> and yeah, I hope that we can do that for them as well. Other people. Yeah, as well. yeah, that's good. So you had an exciting moment last night. Yes, I finally passed my SR test. Congratulations. <laughs> Third time's the charm. <laughs> <laughs> so we think maybe you're the first Canadian to do that. Maybe, I might be, I'm not sure. Yeah. We should find that out because that would be cool. Yeah, well, we'll someone will it. correct us. People love to correct us if, okay, if we're wrong. So I'm the me. first Canadian to get my SR test. Yeah. <laughs> Prove me wrong. <laughs> Just be prepared. Change my mind. On that. <laughs> um, so let's talk about that. How did that okay. go? I missed it. I, yeah. missed, I, missed, I, I got to see you fail last time. <laughs> but I, I both times, both yeah. Times, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. No, I'm happy. Well, the first time was last year at conference, mm-hmm. and I didn't even know what it was until the day of. Mm-hmm. So you know, we gave it a shot. I was pretty nervous. It was like kind of weird circumstances, the whole thing. And yeah, we failed. Like cricket was pretty flat. It was like hot, and she was really tired. It was at the end, I think, too of conference. Yeah, it was late in the day. It was late, and yeah, she had a lot of paper plate races too happening. So not excuses at all. Just like. Yeah, she was kind of flat and I didn't really expect it, but I probably should have. 
And then on Sunday night, we did it again. Again, I wasn't really prepared. I hadn't practiced in the whole year. <laughs> so, you know, we had to do uh, a few things. Pat worked with her a little, got her front a bit better, which I think helped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so we went in and just like I made mistakes, like with my, basically my strategy. I didn't really exactly understand how the rules worked and how the point system works. So I just made a few stupid judgment calls. And so we did fail, which was, you know, fine. I still felt good about her performance. So that was good. And then we went again last night and I also made another stupid mistake, which almost made us fail, but we didn't. We passed. Oh, I just like, I preemptively, like when he was going to get us to change our front position, I like cued her by accident. So she flipped into her heel. Okay. (laughs) Like, you know, she does. Um, But she recovered and then did like two perfect fronts. So Perfect. That was really good. Excellent. I was happy about that. Yeah. And she did everything else like super well. We basically lost a lot of points on that. And then we lost a couple points because like for the Liberty point, which she's super good at, I wasn't worried at all. She stood there and he thought she was like thinking she was in a stand. He's like, oh, it looks like she's in a stand stay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know why she would think that. But so I was trying to walk around and get her to move. And then she got even more committed. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> you're tricking me. So I lost a couple of points there and I don't know where else, maybe like one point on the healing or something but, or loose leash walking. So you say you hadn't trained it all year. What have you been training? Obedience. Uh, we've been doing a lot of stuff. So we've done scent detection. We did some barn hunt, which we are now not doing anymore. <laughs> she does not like it. And we did talk about barn hunt before on this podcast. So mm. all you people listening have to go back and listen to that episode mm-hmm. from a year ago. Basically with barn hunt, she, um, I think with barn hunt, she kind of feels like she knows she can't actually like kill the animal. <laughs> she has a lot of like live kills on her. <laughs> so I think she's kind of bored about it. Like I can't get it. So why do I have to show you where it is? Mm-hmm. Not really her thing. So anyway, we're probably going to stop with that. But we were working a lot on obedience. So we did our first open trial like the week before the canine paradigm workshop. And that went really well too. We didn't get the leg, but her attitude was really, really good. She did all the components really well. So I was really happy, but we ended up bailing out again, kind of long day. She wasn't really ready for that much. It was really hot and all that garbage. So sounds like a bunch of excuses, Emma. No, 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 <laughs> not excuses. Um, but the, a year ago we did the same trial and it was a complete disaster. So yeah, I, <laughs> we've come really far in the year. So I'm really happy. And I feel a lot more confident competing and stuff. Like I used to get crazy, crazy nervous. I would freak the fuck out. But now I still get like a little bit of nerves, but I think that's important because mm-hmm. um, it means you care <laughs> to win. And, uh, but I'm a lot more composed, I think. So I'm happy about that in the journey. Yeah. I think like with dog sports, that's such a huge part of it is preparing yourself. After our last PSA trial, that became really uh, abundantly clear Something for sure is, you know, the replicatable posture. You know, I, I don't know if you've noticed, like I have terrible posture. I'm like... <laughs> Slouchy. Yeah. Well, you know, 12 years of wearing body armor will crush her back like that. <laughs> but I know when I'm nervous, I will stand up straight and my back will, like everything will will uh, straighten out. Mm-hmm. So I, I really consciously make the decision to, when I train my dog, hold my posture correct because I know that's what I'll look like when yeah. I'm under the pump. Yeah, super And I think smart. that's what a lot of people miss in their training is mm-hmm. that... <clears throat> It's not that their training is bad and it's not that they haven't prepared their dog correctly. It's usually that they haven't prepared themselves adequately. Yeah. And the dog looks at them and go, they say heel and the dog goes, okay, well the picture of heel is you look like this Mm -hmm. and today you do not (laughs) look like that. So I'm confused. I'm not going to heal. And it's not, it's, it's not that they haven't prepared the dog. They haven't taught the behaviors. It's it's not all that. Mm -hmm. It's, it certainly appears as that. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's just that they are not consistently presenting the picture that the dog is used to. Yeah, and you pointed that out too at the knee popo workshop in April because I called her into heel and then I like I looked down or up, I don't remember, something, and she just checked out instantly. Yeah. So we've definitely worked a lot on that because exactly, you're right. And even you were talking about how like you would like yell at, yell at him or whatever mm-hmm. and, you know, your voice is different. So I try really hard now in the ring to like even – you just fake it till you make it. Like I'll put on a yeah. fake smile. Like when I'm yeah. healing, I'm so focused – and I'll be like, oh, crap, I better just smile. Mm. And then my dog is just 100 times better. So I think one of the other important things that Bertie pointed out too was the power of working with your team. Yeah. We were focused in PSA a little bit too much on the individualism, like supporting the individual, not the team. Right. And we realized that we were doing that wrong because the team really needs to get in and support the dog getting through trial. Because it's not just you and the dog. It's the the entire team, the decoy you know, the people you're training with to pick you up on what you're doing right and wrong. Because a lot of times when you're doing things solo, you'll congratulate yourself for a great job. However, you might not be doing such a great job. Whereas if you've got that second set of eyes, you've got people watching you and they can advise you and just let you know, hey, look, you're dropping behind or you're cueing the dog or, Mm -hmm. you know, you're sending a false signal that you shouldn't be sending. Like I think I said it in a seminar a few times, second set of eyes is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Having someone, I mean, I know Pat talks about recording himself a lot, and that's great because it does pick up a lot of things, but sometimes I find somebody just following you around and giving you some helpful suggestions will definitely help. Mm-hmm. What I find too for myself personally is I tend to like focus on the bad things. Mm-hmm. So like when I competed last night, I was like, ah, this, this, this went wrong, right? And everyone was like, yeah, but she did so well with this, this, and this, which you weren't expecting. So I think that's really important too, like having that team and that support system for sure. Like I wouldn't be able to deal with those people there last night, you know, they're, they really help a lot, so... Yeah, it doesn't hurt to have a bit of a compliment sandwich every now and then. (laughs) (laughs) Just get fluffed up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. How are you enjoying conference? Oh, it's great. You know, I love it. I love being here, socializing, seeing everyone. This year I have like three of my team with me, which is nice. It's the first time for that. So you've got a little posse. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) I'm one of of those now. No, but it's nice. I really like sharing it with everyone. Yeah. People were saying. just before I heard them saying, just, you know, you better watch out around the side door, the walk with me gangs out there. The walk with me gang oh, from yeah. Canada. Yeah. Mm, yeah, hardcore. You go out there and they apologize to you. and <laughs> <laughs> Offer to get you a coffee. Uh, what is that? What is that about Canada that everybody says sorry? I don't know. We're just nice. Like, okay. <laughs> We're very polite, yeah, I think. I just, we don't like people being mad. I mean, it's true. Like someone bumps into you and you go, oh, Sorry. It's just weird. I don't know. Like I actually saw paraphernalia when I was in a few shops and oh, yeah. walking by and they've got t-shirts saying sorry and, and little, you know, journals saying sorry on the front of it. It's quite funny. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> so who did you see speak yesterday? Oh, Larry Crone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay Jack. Yeah. We caught the end of Jay. We got, we were with Jay when Larry was on. Tell us what oh, happened with Larry. So with Larry. Larry. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry. Okay. Larry was great. Uh, it was mostly a Q&A session. It mm-hmm. wasn't like uh, practical, I guess mm-hmm. I would say. He kind of talked a little bit about his journey, which was really cool. Filled in some spots like I didn't know about. And I don't want to say like <laughs> preachy because I don't mean that in a bad way at all. Definitely like a nice or a great figure to have in our industry to support um, the use of tools in a good way. And to kind of implement change that we need, I think, in the industry for sure. So he talked a bit about that, which was important and I hope open people's eyes in the mm-hmm. room because we're a very diverse group of trainers. We we had an exercise in one of our sessions yesterday 
we had to like get into groups and talk about how we would like teach a dog or a group class to like sit their dogs. And you can imagine like this like group of 20 dog trainers. It was just, it, <laughs> it almost turned into a, like a method war. Like, and that's not what it was about at all. The exercise, like one person's like, I just use pressure. And then someone's like, why the heck would you only use pressure for this? Anyway. So we had to like simmer that down. So I think someone like Larry is, you know, pivotal for us to mm. have in the industry to kind of bring us together, hopefully, and maybe understand using tools mm. appropriately. I, I think what you're saying there is really the one of the most important parts about conference is the, the conversations that people are then having face-to-face instead of online. Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, you know, there is a thousand ways you can teach a dog to sit mm-hmm. and all of them are effective. And, yeah. and even there's ways that are quite polar opposite in technique and end up at the exact same point, right? Yeah. Um, so there is no right or wrong way to do anything. And I think that the, the conversations that I see people having here and certainly that I'm involved in here are really necessary for continued growth in the industry because it's a real life face-to-face conversation. Mm. And as dog trainers, I feel like we don't get to have that many of those. It's certainly not with 500 other dog trainers because you're online. It's hard to, you know, we're all uh, physically dislocated Mm -hmm. and it's hard to, hmm, what's the right word? You know, you can't get a read on people when you're online. And I think a lot of things sometimes divulge into name calling madness (laughs) when in reality that that exact same conversation happens here together with a dog here that we can, you know, I can see exactly what you're talking about. You don't have to, I'm not relying on your, you know, explanation in as much detail as you can be bothered typing into your phone while you're on the toilet, you know, Um, (laughs) who does that? And so I think that it's quite a healing process in all of that. Those arguments have to happen and, but they're really a a discussion rather than the argument that they may turn into online in real Mm -hmm. life. It's a discussion. And I think that's invaluable. I think that's probably, here at conference, I think that's probably the, the greatest thing that we're all getting from being here. Mm. I think. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, for sure. I, even I, I agree with that. When you get together at a workshop, you're all learning like Yeah, you're there to learn thing. that one thing. Yeah. yeah. And so but there's networking opportunities. Varied, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. The other thing too is, as you pointed out, you know, a lot of times when people are behind the keyboard, that whole keyboard warrior yeah. uh, aspect pops up a little bit too much. Like people get a little bit of Dutch courage and start thinking, you know, now it's time to start slinging some arrows. Whereas when they're face-to-face, it's not about backing down in your argument, but at least people are a a little bit more polite and a little bit more perceptive. Yeah. I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think a lot of the times that it's not Dutch courage, it's that people often feel like they're actually being attacked and they've Mm. got to defend their position, you know, with vigor. Mm. Whereas when it's face-to-face, I can be like, instead of being, you know, if I type out, why are you doing that? Then that comes a lot more differently when I walk over. Yeah, Yeah. That, you know, any which that, that seems like a demand on on justify your position. Yep. Uh, whereas in real life, I can just be like, hey, man, what, what's going on with that? Mm-hmm. Like, how come that's working? And and then that same conversation goes down a whole nother route. Mm. And so, yeah, I like to hope that people, it's not just Dutch courage, it's that they really feel attacked online because it's so hard to, to determine whether you are or aren't being. But here in person, it, it's very clear. Mm. I am attacking you. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare to be Jay Jack makes that very clear. Yeah. <laughs> But Jay's a master at that shit because, we, you know, we talk, we spoke to him about yesterday. Like the people will remember that lecture he gave so much more because of the humor that was involved in it rather than if he just gave those as dot points. Yeah. Oh, it was really good. Yeah. It was a very good presentation. He's very entertaining. There's very. no doubt about it. Like that guy, 
I mean, I know I've said it a few times now, but he's missed his calling as a comedian. <laughs> he's a very funny, very spontaneously funny guy. Yeah. Yeah. But even when he's not meaning to be. I mean, Jay can just laugh and it, it's funny. It gets people laughing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. He should speak every year. Yeah. I'm standing by that. So what's next on the agenda for you? Oh, God, I don't know, honestly. Well, I'm getting a puppy. Mm-hmm. I guess that's really it. People keep asking me what my next like competition is, my next show, and honestly, like with the, I had the trial, then we had the workshop, then we had conference, so... That was all that was on my docket. But then I get home in a couple of weeks, or I guess, I don't know, next week, and we go and pick up my new puppy. So that will be a fun journey. Choose wisely. <clears throat> oh, I know, right? Oh, wait, we might not get the puppy if the right one is not there for right. us, Ally Glenn. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But getting a puppy, probably. Yeah. And then he's going to come to Nipopo in April. Right. Jen wants him there. Okay. As a working spot. So we'll see if it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. What's his name going to be? Uh, Toro. Toro. Yes. Why that? I don't know. <laughs> it's like it's, a It bull. sounds very bullfighting sort it's of. Bull, and he's like a big black giant schnauzer with cropped ears. Mm. Fight me. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a battle probably I'm going to have to deal with too. Just being kind of like sort of public-ish. People are going to be upset about the really? cropped ears where I am. Yeah. But that's legal where you are, right? It's legal. Yeah. 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 Fuck them. doesn't matter. People still get mad, right? It's fine. Yeah. Why do they crop the ears? What is it purely aesthetic or does it bring some benefit? No, I mean, I'm sure there are people will argue that there are benefits in certain ways, but for this, it's just basically aesthetic um, because he will probably be a show dog as well. Oh, maybe one of those. (laughs) Like I might have to, we'll see. I don't know. He might not turn out. We don't know which puppy I'm getting. If I'm getting a puppy, I don't want to show him, but I might like have to. Yeah. You know, anyway. Right. So (laughs) that was unclear. But he will, I mean, I would take a dog, a giant with uh, natural ears and natural tail. I like that. But I find the dog tail with the natural ears kind of looks unbalanced. Okay. Giant. <laughs> so getting cropped ears. If you're going to cut me. him at the front, you cut him at the back <laughs> as well. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, brutal. <laughs> uh, I think that those things must serve a purpose. Like, you know, well, my, my Springer uh, has a dog tail because she got happy tail and yeah. the breeder I, when I called him and, and said, oh, I've got a Docker tail, he was really angry. And I thought, mate, what are you getting angry at me for? Oh, and then I uh, realized he wasn't angry at me. It was like at the fact that he couldn't dock it when she was born. Right, because, right. you know, she say like she's in a lot of pain. That yeah. Like it, it has gotten to the point where her tail has to be amputated. For sure. Imagine that process and how bad that's been for her. Yep. It's like I would happily have nicked that off the day she was born and exactly. it, we never would have gone through this, this problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have friends who do a lot of field trials and mm-hmm. stuff and they see a lot of tail injuries. Um, so, yeah, she, they believe in docking as well. Um, I've heard that with like the cropping, it, you know, in the Dobermans and stuff like that, it was for, um, so like bad guys couldn't grab their ears or whatever. Like, I don't know. Mm. I don't know how much there is to that. But Well, good luck grabbing the ears of a dog who really wants to line you up. Yeah, yeah. and it's a Doberman anyway, so it's probably running away as fast <laughs> as it can in the other direction. So what are you trying to grab Oh, we just lost all anyway? the Doberman oh, listeners. Oh, no. Oh, no. Do you guys um, see any good giant schnauzers in Australia? Uh, no. No. Yeah, you don't see a lot of good anything. I'm not sure yet. I've actually ever seen a giant schnauzer in Australia. Interesting. Yeah, you ever seen one? Yes. Any good? Pet dogs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I've not, never not seen for, one work. Not I've for working. Right. No. There's a few people now with like black Russian terriers that mm-hmm. uh, think they're going to work with them, but I'm yet to see any hit the field. Mm. Okay. I just um, I actually just got a message when I woke up this morning. The lady that I've known for many, many years, who was one of my, she was part of the team in in the first Schutzen Club that I began early in my career. Her name was Pauline McLaren. She just passed away, and uh, they had some really intense, uh, hard fighting dopes. So I just like to 
do a little quick shout out to Pauline. I know she's already passed, but I appreciated everything she did. She was always a wonderful lady to me, good friend, and taught me a lot. Her and her husband, Brian, were very instrumental in supporting Schutzen and working dogs in Australia. They used to have working pit bulls, working Dobermans, and uh, yeah, a bit of sad news. Yeah, that's sad. Mm. Sorry, I just wanted to... Sorry. Just sorry. Just stole a bit of Emma's Stole a bit of Emma's light. Oh, no, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. I want to go back, though, because my dog is not going to be only a show dog. (laughs) Just want to make that clear. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So you want to do some some bite work stuff, right? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I'm thinking... I definitely want to do obedience again. Um, I might do some GRC. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure. Um, Scent detection again. I like the, the bite sports. I'm not sure if he'll be capable, but I might dabble in it because if I get a ne- the next dog, I would probably want to do it. So, okay. And I would probably get a Mal. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. <laughs> a black one. No. <laughs> Only black don't, dogs. <laughs> I know. Don't stipulate the I color know, of your dog. I know. I'm just <laughs> joking, but I would like a black one. Yeah. Well. But, um, so we might, we don't have PSA where I am, but. You could start a club. I know I could. <laughs> but can I? Yeah. Even if I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Nobody knows what they're doing. We're all winging it. We're all just surviving minute to minute. Okay. But you've got the closest access out of all of us. I mean, you're only a border away. We're uh, we're right. a, an enormous flight away from the the mothership of PSA. You're right. You're right. I just yeah, I didn't. I, I'll look into it for you. Mm. Um, there is a IGP club very close to me, and he actually the director of that has Giant Schnauzers working line. Um, he has an IPO three. So why are you getting one of them? He's breeding for the first time right okay. now. So sounds um, like a bunch of excuses, Emma. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you're setting yourself up to fail. No, 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 no. My breeder, she has working line dogs as well. So she has dogs competing in bite sports and stuff too. Okay. Yeah. Lots of different venues. Like her dog has 18,000 titles. The the bitch. 18,000 titles. 18,000. No, I think it's like 28, 32, something like that. Which is a lot. Do we want to pick a number? Like we're just jumping all over the thousands here. Something like that. It's a lot. In thousands. No. 28 or 32, somewhere in that. Okay. Realm. okay. All right. We've just gone double, from thousands back into. We've descended into madness. You can just cut <laughs> that part out. <laughs> so that out. walk with me, Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Tell us about how do people get in contact? How do they find one of your 18 people? Do they go to them? Do they go to you? So if you're interested in our services, you would go through me first, www.walkwithmeottawa.com or on Facebook, Walk With Me Ottawa or on Instagram, Walk With Me Ottawa. And I mean, if you were interested in walking services or boarding or anything like that, you would email us and then we would set you up with one of the walkers available in your area. And then, yeah, you would follow them on Instagram. If you like look on Instagram, like walk with me, they'll all come up or WWMO that works too. And yeah, but I would like everyone to stay tuned for workshops. We're hoping to have um, Mike Settle next year. I want to talk to Jay Jack and maybe Tyler Muto. Everybody. Yeah, that's cool. a good lineup of people. Everyone. Mm. Cool. Yeah, well, you, once you get that building guys, going, you yeah. need to start filling it up. Yeah. We hey, will, for sure. Emma, I just wanted to say thank you very much to you because you've been a huge supporter of our show, especially Number in the early fan. days. I know you are. And you don't just talk it, you actually live it. Like you really put weight behind supporting this podcast and both Pat and myself. So I just wanted to extend some appreciation to you because we do feel the love from you and it's much appreciated. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks, Emma. And thank you, guys. Yeah. You know, we were mean to you in Canada, but that's because we like you. I know. That's, I know. that's, that's the Australian, Australian thing. The, mean, yeah. the meaner you are, the more you like someone. I know. And you didn't pick us up from the airport. I didn't. <laughs> and then I abandoned you in Ottawa, and I ran away to Colorado. Yep. <laughs> um, all right, well. cool. So 
Instagram's the best way to find some of the walk with me walkers. Yeah, yeah for sure. Oh, and thanks to Zoe too, who did, did pick up the slack and show us around Ottawa. Oh, she's going to love this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's a lovely girl. Oh, it's Carolina's birthday. Yeah, Today. we know. Yeah, I'll send her Happy a message. Happy birthday, Carolina. Yeah. Okay. I love you. Yeah. It, this will come out later, though. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, Thank that's it guys. for another episode of the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, please like, rate, share, subscribe. Do that through whatever subscription service you download us from. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is via Patreon. Three bucks a month gets you access to an extra episode. Ten bucks a live Q&A with me. And you know what? I've always wanted a Ferrari. You buy me one of those. That'd be awesome. I thought it was a Lamborghini the yeah, other day. You kept changing your mind. I mix it up. Okay. Maserati. And you could just buy some T-shirts, look cool, rep our merch. That'll that'll fling us a few bucks. There's as a well, few so people here at conference who are wearing it. Yeah, yeah, Emma's got her one that Zoe designed and that she supplied us at the conference. Yeah, mine's too big. Quite a few people bought them, didn't they? Yeah. We didn't buy them. We provided them. Oh, did you? Yeah. Cool. It was all part of the deal. Nice. I can get you another one. <laughs> and if you want to get in contact with us, the best way to do that is via email. We are info at thecanineparadigm.com. Glenn, push that button. <laughs>